Welcome back, Rebels. Sorry, I was drinking a sip of water when you did that. Um, welcome back. Here I am. <laughs> Here you are. Your network is your net worth. Discuss. You love that phrase, don't you? I suppose that kind of comes down to like the the phrase like you are the average of the five people you spend most time with. And I think it is really interesting to look at who your circles are and people who are influential and what their circles look like because it's quite interesting if you look at who people are friends with it's people similar to them with a similar level of success around them yeah absolutely true so when we first started our business we knew absolutely no one and we did realize that through relationships that was how the business was going to grow you start off at that that very difficult position of not knowing anyone and not feeling like you have all that much to offer because you're still on the on the bottom rung of the ladder and the people that you're trying to be around are people that are several rungs higher than you um so i think that's a very sort of difficult position to be in so i think the first thing the first most important thing is look at who is already around you and audit that circle get rid of the people out out of that circle that are not serving you the people that are uh, basically battery drainers not battery chargers um and then i think like it is actually possible to look at the people that you're already around and create like accountability partners with within yourself because as soon as you do that i was thinking about this this morning as soon as you turn someone into an accountability partner your relationship can change and mm-hmm. then and then that sort of brings you both up to a higher level because especially if you're accountability partners for each other because then you can because that's what happened with you me and yona we didn't like we we hadn't got a circle yet but we all relied on each other so as soon as there's that sort of shift in relationship it's rather than being supportive and going oh yeah well done on that project you just did it's actually like setting standards it's like no i i expect this from you and if you don't deliver it you're going to have to explain to me why and i think that can actually be a powerful shift in a relationship from just mates who are like yeah yeah i'm really supportive in oh you've got your new brand going on i'm working on this over here like maybe when we both established we'll be able to work with each other somehow or whatever to to actually like well have you have you done your business plan like show me the branding and graphics pack that you said you were going to put together oh that's not like i don't i don't really like this one that's not strong enough all of a sudden there's a shift there if you do audit your friends or audit the people who are around you and work out if you are going to go into some creative business or you want to start being entrepreneurial or you have the head down in that direction, then it's like who out of those five people or the people who are closest to you are most like that? Because that might be your first port of call in building a group of people around you is finding the one who already exists, who is the closest to the thing that you, you're looking for. Um, because I feel like, yeah, if, if you've got two people who are interested in the same thing, then that's going to help you so much. And even just having someone to ask questions to can be really, really useful. And I suppose the question then comes to, if you don't have that person, if you analyze your group and you haven't got anyone, where do you start to find that next person or the first person in this new group of people that you're building around yourself that represent who you are and who you want to be? And I suppose for me, that would be, I'd probably go to Instagram as the first place that I would look to do because if it's a creative practice, there's a good chance that it's quite easy to find someone who's successful in that field there or people who are learning and progressing towards that. So I think what can be great, and it's how I've met so many friends as well, is just by 
finding people who look interesting, who look like people who you could be friends with. I suppose it comes, it's very similar to when we talk about finding a passion, how you don't find it, you find an interest, develop that into a passion. It's almost like find people who share common interests, share common values. Well, it appears that that's the case anyway. And then set up meetings with them, set up like just a, well, I say a meeting, just like a chat, an initial chat, start kind of commenting on their stuff and just trying to become friends with them. Because I think it's when you can start to become friends with those people, you start to build this group of people around you. Like, And starting with one is probably the easiest thing mm. to do. Back on, on your existing group, I think there's, if you see someone with potential, but they've not realised it yet, but you just can kind of see this little glimmer, like just give them a podcast that, that you think might set them down that path or give them a book that, that they can start to sort of go on that journey. And you can kind of... I feel like you can't push people in the direction that you're that you're going to want to take. Them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, when you when you start on the new people, I mean, I think we've we've got such an incredible network of of creators around us now. But I look back to those early days, and it just seemed impossible. And I remember when we met Jamal Edwards. Um, do you remember that? There's that. Yeah, there's that weird yeah, photo yeah. of us at the gal- White right, Chapel yeah. Gallery. And yeah. We met Jamal and, and like he was obviously like several rungs ahead of us on, on the ladder at, at the time. And we'd we kind of spoken to him and he was like super positive. He was like, yeah, yeah, you guys can do some stuff for SBTV, blah, 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 blah. And then and he'd written his book and he was doing like SBTV was doing amazing. And we and we were like literally just starting out like it's probably 2012 yeah. or something like that. And um, I got his email and I remember emailing him and didn't hear anything back. And I was like so gutted because I was like, oh, this is our ticket to the big time. Like as soon as we start doing stuff for SBTV, that'll be it. Like everyone will notice us and whatever, whatever. And it's like, I mean, we've had Jamal on the show, like like super cool dude, no no offense taken. I've, I've got to look back at, at that time and, and see that disappointment then and just realize like why that occurred. Like the dude is super busy and not every relationship that you start to try and foster is going to become like a solid goal connection. That doesn't, it doesn't always happen. So what I'd go back and say to us in 2012 is like, there's, there's been this lucky coincidence that you happen to be at the same event as someone who like you really want to work with. I'd be like, go to more events then. Cause it was just, that was just a coincidence. He was there. um, I spoke on stage, he spoke on stage and, and we sort of vibed, but like, why why weren't we going to more events why weren't we putting ourselves in those circles more and that was just a gradual thing that that we learned over time but i think it's it's knowing that all of these little these little relationships like we've been talking about a lot recently 7114 of that spending that time with a potential client a potential business partner or or a potential friend and building that relationship it is going to take time so you should be working on several at at any one time and i think with any like any meeting like that it like friendships are about value i think i think you have to there has to be an equal give and take in those relationships otherwise it will feel one-sided and i feel like you know when you've got a good group of people around you when you feel like every, you're giving out as much as you're getting back and it's like this nice little equilibrium of of value exchanging and i think about like if i go for like drinks or stuff with my friends then it's like i quite often will start giving them like creative advice and like helping them if they want to 
kind of if they're struggling with comparison or any of the things that we talk about a lot on this show that I now know a lot about I feel like there's a level of value that I can provide them in that relationship and I had a call the other day with someone I've not seen in a while and the whole call I felt like I was giving so much value on this call and I was really helping that person and I think that's a really important thing to think about is like how much value can you provide someone else in a relationship whether that's even if that's just making them laugh like there can be anything that just brings adds something to their life in some way so I think when we first met Jamal there's pretty very little that we could bring value to him compared to the value that he yeah. could bring to us and I think as soon as you think about how can I either provide more value than I'm currently giving to get friends at a higher level who need more value back or not set myself sites that are so high that those people aren't going to want to connect with me because it's like I would love to have a circle of like Elon Musk, Bill Gates and all these huge people and as being my network of five but there's a good chance that won't happen because I can't provide them with value like it well, well in the level of value that I could provide would be so small compared to what they're used to in their circles because they've got access to all the best people in the world whenever they want so it's thinking about well who can I provide value to who would actually benefit from my value and then targeting people like that as ways to try and grow relationships and friendships I mentioned earlier that the uh, are you a battery charger or a battery drainer and realizing in sort of a couple of the circles that we're we're currently in realizing that that the more influence or the more well-known you are the more your battery is drained because and and I think the mm-hmm. the more your guard is up because everyone wants something from you which is a really yeah. sort of horrible position to be in if you are that person of influence and so I think if you are building relationships with people like that it's very important to remember that most people are there draining their battery so what can you provide and it's it's what you're saying giving value like what can you provide that is is going to show them that you're not that you're not just a, a bloody blood sucker that's there to drain their life force um because i can see how uh, like especially i'm working with a celebrity at the moment i can just see how draining it must be to to have like just constantly be having to give to other people and so with that person i'm trying to give as much as i can to them in order to just be like because like yeah aside of whatever business arrangement we have it's actually like i actually think they're a really really solid person and i just want to like i'm like if you want to chat about stuff like he he says i'll give him therapy whenever we talk but it's like that's i i like providing that because my because i'm not there with my hand out i'm not there for for something from him i just think he's a dude what that comes down to is when i was talking about value before just kind of rethinking it slightly it's not the value that you can provide them with kind of material physical things it's more the emotional value you can provide people and I think that's where it's that's where it really differs because quite often in those situations you'll get people who are just draining for a material value they're not trying to be like oh yeah we can like they're not sucking their friendship and sucking their emotion out of them they're just they just want the things they want the things that that person yeah the resources that that person could provide whereas I think that's where you have to kind of think about the value that you're providing it's like yes with your business you need to provide value with some form of product or material physical item but then with your relationships and your networking you need to provide value with 
emotions and being there for people when they need it and having that conversations that might help lift them up in some way emotionally rather than just be like because it's like if if you want to be my friend don't just reach out and be like oh here's a free item of the mm. thing that I sell that's not the way to build a friendship that I might think oh that's cool but then I don't know you any it better. might be a start it's like though. how can you it provide might a, it might be a starting block it could be yeah I suppose it's a it's a way to open the door I suppose to some conversations but I think it shouldn't be based around like I think to build a quality relationship isn't going to be based on the things that you can give people it's going to be the like the emotional connection that you can have with someone and how you can enrich that in someone else's life yeah absolutely I I think I would say to anyone who because we've we often say on the show that the people that you meet will change your life and that if there's anything that you want to achieve in this world there's other people that can help you make that thing happen um so this is really important but I do remember being in the position of like not knowing anyone and thinking, where do I start? I'm not ever going to know anyone. Like, this is impossible. I wasn't born into a circle of influential people. I don't have all of these contacts in my phone. It's it, like, this is this is just how it is. If you are determined and you are always moving forward, which is something we've been talking a lot about recently, if you are always moving forward, then that stuff is going to come. You just have to, you just have to trust us on that one. Like it, it does come because I think one of the main things is the, the quality of the work that you produce as it gets better, as it, um, as you evolve, the, the work starts to, it's, it's flags again, like those, those flags are waving and the, the higher the quality of the work, the higher the quality of the people or prospective clients or whatnot, are going to be drawn to those flags. Yeah, 100%. And just thinking about what I was talking about then with kind of like the value to provide emotionally, I think people might be wondering, like, well, how do I do that? Like if I'm not just, I'm not just going to go up to people and just be like, I'm going to give them yeah. everyone a massive cuddle. Um, but I think like you can do it. It's, it's kind of, it's more like how can you provide their brain with stuff? I think that's probably a better way to think about it. So like you can teach people things. So if you're learning whatever you're learning like if you're if you're in this craft and then you find someone else who's in that craft and you can teach each other stuff and there's a good chance a good relationship's going to benefit there because you're teaching you can teach each other things and i think if you have people around you who you can learn from that's a really really valuable asset and then i think being able to support people as well so if you are account if you are like an accountability buddy for someone then having that person is again really really valuable so I think reaching out to people and finding like what ways you can connect, what ways you can enrich them and like help support and help them grow in what they're doing, because then they'll do the same for you. And I think if you can get a group of people around you who are all helping each other grow, then that's when a really good group happens when everyone's pushing mm. each other up and no one's holding it each anyone else back. So I think, yeah, work out who's in your group, who's helping everyone else and then who's kind of holding people back and then start to pick and choose about who should be in the in the kind of side group that comes off from this which is actually going to then go and become successful i know one of your values is is lifelong learning and that that really carries over well because if you are interested in that person then they will think you're interesting and that just comes down to learning and realizing okay this i can learn something from this person let me ask all of these questions about what they do or about and and be excited about about learning from them and that's really going to help you um foster relationships 
I suppose the the difficult thing is the is the the level of status when you're when you're talking to someone, mm-hmm. and it it really makes me think of this week's guest, Alex. When when I first met Alex, it was it was before this podcast existed, um, and Alex had already had an established podcast. And I went to an event, listened to him speak, and then afterwards he finished his speaking. Everyone goes up to to chat to him, and I. I did my time and I waited for my my chance to go and, and have a little chat with him. <laughs> and I remember saying to him, Oh yeah, uh me and my business partner are gonna are gonna start a podcast. And you sort of get that glazed over look that I'm sure you and me probably like, get oh, a little bit. I mean he's very yeah. polite, like no no diss to Alex, but he was very polite. But um I'm sure like I'm sure we probably have it as well because you can't really hide it. It's like the the promise of this amazing thing is coming in the future, but doesn't exist yet. Is like we have heard that, or yeah. we've all heard that before, because people talk a very big game, but very, very few people actually back it up. So I then, then Alex didn't then hear from me again. Like we weren't mates at that point. Do you know what I mean, he didn't then hear from me for a while, um, but I, I did get his details, and I was like, I'd like to have you on our show. And Alex became one of our first guests along with sort of several other people that we'd been similarly networking with. Um, And at that point, it was sort of us delivering value to Alex by having him on the show. And I think in the beginning of any of those sort of relationships, and it's the same with romantic relationships, even (laughs) even though people will probably not want to admit this is true, but if you're in a romantic relationship currently, I bet one half of you was playing hard to get. Because there is always that, isn't there? There's always that tension of, I think humans want to go after something that is not, that's not readily available. And I think there's, when you are fostering those, those relationships, if you are constantly like, hi, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, we can be friends. Like if you want to, I'm, I'm still, that can actually really, really put people off. So there's also almost like you have to be like cool and interesting, but also aloof and there's this like weird yeah. balance. If it's too easy, there's yeah. no value there yeah. almost. Then over time, through interviewing Alex, having chats with him here and there, we just developed a friendship and now he's one of our mates. And I think it's just a really interesting example of starting off where we were a rung below him. Obviously we had business success and all of that sort of stuff, but we didn't have an existing podcast with an existing audience. We were brand new. And so he was in the, the I don't know, power position. Um, now we're contemporaries, we are equals and we are mates. And that didn't happen instantly. It didn't, it, it just evolved over time. And I think it's an interesting sort of case study of of coming and same with Emma Gannon. And, and I really feel like our relationship with Emma Gannon is, is developing now after three podcast episodes and that's like, and and sort of interactions on social media and like, we are f- so much further along in that relationship now than when we did our first episode. But that's a, that's a yeah. nearly three year journey. So yeah. I think to, and, and if we were messaging Emma every day going, we think you're great, like, oh, do you want to hang out or whatever? It would just be, no, it's too much. So it's again, coming back to the patience of like, these relationships take time to develop. Cool. So let's get into this week's episode with the amazing yes, Alex Manzi. Alex Manzi is a coach, an author, a podcaster, and he's our mate. 
Hi, Alex Manzi. Hello, Creative Rebels. Adam Brazier and David Speed. How are you? We are well. <laughs> Welcome back to the show again. How are you doing, Mr. Manzi? I'm good. I'm I'm actually quite enjoying this because it's been a really really long time since we've done this. But here we are. We're back. Uh, nice to have you. Nice to have you in the building. Um, you've written a book, haven't you? Why Why write a book, Alex? Oh, just go in with the easy questions to start with. Why not? To give some context, right, to people who haven't heard of me or listened to any of our previous chats on either my podcast or your podcast is I spent a lot of my life unhappy and I decided to do something about that by making some changes in my life and that has all led me on a very wonderful journey of discovering more about myself putting more focus on myself taking more ownership and responsibility and just creating more clarity and kind of happiness in my life so that's all led me on the path of like starting the podcast and and starting to coach people and part of what I do along that is I write quite a lot and some of this is just writings that I do in my own time some go out as blogs on my website or a weekly email and when I was getting towards the end of 2019 I decided that I wanted to write something more because I'd written like a free ebook that I put out beginning of 2019 which was just like a few tips on how to maintain and build a positive mindset and I felt like I'd, I'd learned so much throughout the year that I wanted to kind of develop some of the the thoughts and learnings that I had a bit more so I decided I wanted to write something but I didn't know what it was going to be or how it was going to come out and when I was traveling at the start of 2020 in January and February um, I was speaking to a lot of people about just various stuff and I was just making loads of amazing lessons and learnings as I went and I decided that actually when I get back, I'm going to focus on, instead of writing something from fresh, I'm going to pull together all of these writings that I've already got and see if I can make them make sense into some sort of free book. So that was the starting point. And there's very much a lot of me that went, what would David Speed and Adam Brazier do if they had a lot of writings on their laptop? What, what could be done with that? <laughs> and um, <laughs> I decided that, you know, th the first point was to, take some of the podcast material that I had so for people who haven't listened to my podcast not only do I do interviews which are nearly quite as good as the creative rebel interviews I also do in focus sessions which are um, short episodes where I talk about my own learnings and I tend to kind of part script these because I, I want to get my thoughts down on paper before I talk about mm -hmm. them and I, so I had a lot of these like notes call them um, on my laptop so originally I wanted to make like an in focus book which was like all of the learnings that had gone out as an in focus through the podcast um, and put it in writing instead of have it as podcast uh, audio and as I went through the, some of the writings and I started to find more of like my previous blog posts and newsletters I thought actually there's more here there's a lot more I can do with this so I started to kind of pull together about I mean probably about 100 bits of writing and filter them down into like okay what's going to work this is that's not this is that's not and I end up with like maybe 50 and then I had to cut that down further because I was like, no, this still doesn't quite work. And there was a really strong theme throughout these writings through my learnings, through my story of like going yeah. from being in a place where you're unsure and easy to get into a place where you feel happy and full of abundance and clarity. So that was that was the kind of uh, spine of the book. So then it was just about them finding pieces that I had that worked within that um, framework and then sort of piecing it all together so it flowed a little bit, but also having to like re-edit some stuff because some the way I'd worded some sort of stuff in some of the writings was a little bit out of date. So it was just a bit of like pulling stuff together 
putting it into a, a thing and then the reason it became a book and not a free download is because I spoke to a friend um, at a garden meetup when we were allowed to meet up with more than one person in an open <laughs> space in someone's garden and he said wouldn't you just want to like have like a physical copy for yourself and I just looked at him I went do you know what fab that's a fantastic idea I'm going to make one physical copy for myself and then I decided that I was going to make more that other people could also hold for themselves so that's how the book became a book I think what I love about that is the fact that it was through looking back on what you've done previously that you started to find those patterns and be able to collate things into kind of pillars of your content because I know we have that a lot where it's only through starting that you can then look back mm. and think well actually these themes are really common within my work and these are a lot what a lot of different people are saying and it's when you start to notice those patterns I think that you really start to find yourself and you really start to understand your own voice because yeah because because these things come up so often and I think that's such an important thing to do for anyone listening like if you've been going for a certain amount of time and you maybe don't know you're still maybe looking for your why or you're still kind of like searching like who you really are maybe look back at what you've done previously and start to see if you can see any patterns in there that you could then take forward and put into something put into something else mm. yeah i agree and i think that's that's but it's also part of just growing as a person isn't it it's like being able to reflect back and go well what are the lessons i learned and where and why and how have those lessons impacted me today and you know i'm very fortunate that through the podcast and through writing that I don't I don't need to specifically have a journal because that stuff kind of becomes my journal like I'm documenting my learnings yeah. so it's easy to go back as you would with a journal and you know metaphorically f flick through the pages and go okay what have I learned and when and then translate that into either something new or you know taking old content as I did and f and re um housing it and, and presenting it as as a new thing which it was because it was a book which it hadn't existed in one place before or you know just take those learnings on to 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 to, to into your future and present life and how they can implement your life going forward i think the great thing about writing and it's definitely something that i should do more of and, and i suppose as as this year me and adam have kind of declared to the world that this is the year that we that we do bring out our first book so I guess 2021's got a lot of writing in the future for us. But having interviewed Seth Godin, looking at how he presents everything, every question that you ask him, looking at how he answers and how concise he is, but also clear and simple in his explaining of a certain topic, it just makes me think that's probably because he writes a blog post a day. He knows himself inside and out. He knows his topics that he writes about inside and out just through that rep repetition of writing. And I think that's even if you're not creating writing that's necessarily going to be given out to the rest of the world, I think it can be a really useful thing just to get your own thoughts in in line. Mm. Yeah. And I think I think, again, it's like that can be writing, that can be recording voice notes to yourself. And it's like a lot of the writing that I do, it's like, and it's you know similar with you guys with when you when you make podcasts or or photos or or painting it you're not thinking so much about like what does the other person want to see or hear it's like what am i going to enjoy or what am i what what can i learn from this and it's like when you when you approach it from that place like you can never go wrong because no one can tell you that your learnings are wrong because they're your learnings <laughs> and it's like if you approach yeah. it from there it's like 
someone could turn around to me and say, do you know what, your book is a load of nonsense. I don't believe in any of it. And I say, well, it's my learnings and my thoughts. Like you, you can have your thoughts and your learnings over there. These are mine and I'm happy with that. Have you found that your kind of understanding about the things that you talk about has changed and evolved since writing it? Like now you've consolidated everything. Do you feel like you're more certain about the things that you're talking about? Yeah, I guess so. Because you're, you're when you, again, it's that process of reviewing and like going back and going, okay, why did I learn that? How did I learn that? It, it really cements what those learnings meant at that time for you. And, and you can then see the difference in those learnings. And it's like the second I'd put this book out, I was already talking. And maybe it might have even been before I was talking to another. Um, sorry, I, I have I have some other podcaster mates as well, by the way. So I was speaking to some of my <laughs> other podcaster mates. Disgusting. And <laughs> they were well, Alex. I'm going to cut this interview now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex and Ryan, they were saying, I was chatting to him, I was like, I've got another idea for the next book. And it's like straight away, I was already like, I, I've seen that a lot of the writings that I've made and learnings that I've made in, in this book, The Search for Clarity, I can already see how they've evolved to help me learn more things that I can put into another bit of writing. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's that like when you start anything, it has, a, as long as you keep doing it, it has that snowball effect of, oh, that leads to that, that leads to that, that leads to that. And I think that's what's really exciting, especially about writing, because as soon as you're like writing or listening to something, everything sparks another idea and it's almost like kind of contagious like it's like a virus that kind of like spreads really in a really positive way because one thing you write might lead to two ideas mm. and then if those two ideas and lead to four ideas then suddenly like as long as you keep putting in the effort you're never going to run out and i think that's always an interesting thought when people have like writer's block and stuff and it's like maybe go back and read some stuff you've read before or written before because that will probably spur something new in you. Yeah. And, uh, and do you know what's one of my favorite quotes? And I can't remember exactly who said it, or it might not have been a specific quote. It might have been something that someone said to me. It was being, and this can apply to anything, not just writing. Being a good writer is writing about the same thing in a hundred different ways. And it's like, you can take that principle of what you just said there, Ad, of like, you know, looking at something and it's sparking an idea. But also it's like, you've written a blog post that blog post could also become, and this is, you know, applies to me, a 15 second TikTok video or a two minute Instagram IGTV video. And it's like, it's the same bit of learning, the same bit of content in inverted commas, but in three different mediums. Yeah, I think someone like Gary Vee talks about that quite often where he's been basically talking about the same thing <laughs> for the past 20 years and people still watch it. They still tune in every week. And like, you're not hearing anything new but it's just said in a different way. And I think it's saying it in a different way that can be really powerful because one way might not resonate with people, but another way might. If it can be something that you can relate to, I think that's when the kind of magic happens. And obviously audiences can be really big. So the more different ways you can say it, the more people you can potentially hit and like get your message across with. I think that's why we try and get really diverse guests on the show because you never know who's going to unlock it for who. And, and so bringing in those alternative voices, just they may just say something on a certain day in a certain way that just that just unlocks your brain. So it's like that, I think that's why it's really important to listen to loads of different people, because really, like we've all got so many different opinions, but like there are universal truths to to like finding your happiness and being successful. And like, really, there's there's very, it's not like there's a million different paths to being successful at something. It's it's fairly simple of like hard work, persistence, patience, um, 
creativity, just like all of these different elements. So if you can hear, I, I think for me, it's like I listen to podcasts that are aspirational, not because of like almost because I am listening to the same lessons over and over again, because it is a consistent reminder in my brain to like yeah. to hear this person saying it in this way and go, oh, that's well inspiring what Will Smith just said over here. Mm. And then that's also inspiring what what Tim Ferriss said over here and, and then just just feeding off of those different voices. Yeah. And, I, and, and again, like I even was going to say before, like you look at, you know, what you guys do with the podcast. It's like you interview creatives. So every episode is the same essentially that like the core of it is the same it's like do something yeah. you're passionate about that you can express your creativity and you will be more happy with your life and you might get some success out of it and it's the same with my podcast my podcast is like hearing from people about the things they do in their lives that have helped them to live a happy life but if you just recorded it like that every week no one's going to listen but because there's different perspectives yeah different learnings, different interpretations, different concepts, ideas around the same theme, you then get interest because it's like, oh, like you said, this is how Will Smith does it. This is how um, Tim Ferriss does it. This is how Emma Gannon does it, et cetera. Et cetera. This is how the Creative Rebels do it, like, et cetera, et cetera. It's, yeah. you know, it, all, it all adds up. And I think as well, to change your mindset on something requires repetition. I think if, some, if you meet someone and they tell you something and it's the first time you've ever met them, then you might be like, okay, that's cool and then forget it and go away. But you won't believe it because you've just heard it. I think it takes that hearing it again and again and again that makes it become what you believe rather than just what someone's told you. Mm, yeah, one of my coaches says, once for information, twice for transformation. And it's like, again, I, I've got so many books on my shelf that I've read once. I could probably tell you some of the learnings I made, but the books I've read more than once, I can tell you a heck of a lot more about them. That is a nice segue to the Teletubbies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because the Teletubbies was really interesting because it was like they'd basically looked at how kids learn and I suppose it's how people learn and the show would get 15 minutes through and then the whole thing would start again mm. and you'd watch the exact same show exactly as you just watched within that episode. And that obviously kind of goes back to what you were saying there. It's like by having by learning something twice or going through it twice, you'll pick up stuff a second time. And I think you at the start of your book say read this through once and then go back again and then read it again because by doing that that's when you're going to really get the value out of it and i think i completely agree by reading a book the second time you get so much more out of it than the first yeah it's funny because i remember reading um uh how to win friends and influence people whatever it's called by dale carnegie and he says a similar thing in the start of like to get the best out of this book read it in full and then come back to it a second time and make some notes. And my initial thought then was like, what's this fool talking about? I don't want to read this book twice. There's so many other books <laughs> I can go and read and learn more. But like, I completely understand that sentiment now because it's like, even if it's not necessarily the same book, but a book by a, the same author that is very similar. So you could look at like Eckhart Tolle, right? The Power of Now and A New Earth. Very similar books told in different ways. You're learning the same thing through two different ways. Once for information, twi twice for transformation. I've read so many books from Krishnamurti and it's like none of his teachings change. They're the same, but it's different books, the same learnings. And it's like you're just reinforcing that learning. You're reinforcing that information to create the transformation. Yeah. I think someone who did that really, really well was one of our previous guests, Daniel Priestley. In his book, Oversubscribed, I think it's in like the last chapter or something, he says... By the way, in this book, there is the absolute gold nugget that you need to completely transform everything. 
and it's like you were at the end then so you have to then go back and read it through again paying more attention mm. to actually yeah try and find what that nugget is or try and guess what it is because he doesn't ever tell you love that did you ever work out what it was <laughs> it's the seven hours of content in four different locations at 11 different times i'm pretty sure that's what it is because I've, I've read the book about three or four times now and that is the piece of advice that I think is just the most important because by doing that, that's how you form a relationship with someone. And I think that at the end of the day is the most important thing out of everything. Because he's very clever by making him by making you go back. He's reinforcing a couple of those meetings for yeah. you just in, in ordering you to go back. Yeah, and if it took me three and a half hours to read the book, it takes me seven hours to read it twice. Rewind the sick break that down again for me was it seven what daniel Priestley says is to form a relationship with someone which which can be done kind of like through a podcast through any kind of content that you're putting out if you can make someone spend seven hours with you at 11 different times so that can be kind of just say if if you picked up a book 11 times to get from start to finish mm. that would be the 11 times in four different locations so that could be mm. in your bed in on the train like at work on a park bench like those four different places because that's if you think about relationships you have with people like in real life you would like for like a relationship to form before someone became your partner you would probably spend a certain amount of time with them in different locations talking about different things and it's only by doing that you realize is this person the right one for me and i think if you can create content in the same way i feel like that is just that's what people don't do enough they're too busy thinking about okay well if i make this picture for instagram that someone's going to see for two seconds you're going to need to have a hell of a lot of those two seconds to add up to seven hours so how can you make more longer form content that's going to build relationships which is why i think podcasting is so powerful because an hour-long episode is very it seems very personal when you're listening to it and you only need to listen to seven episodes mm. to be able to form that relationship with someone yeah, no, that, I think that's fascinating, man. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that's why Joe Rogan smashes it because he's got like three-hour episodes, which straight away yeah, you're going to have to listen to. And like, in. Daniel's such a, a clever dude, and it's like he he's he's got the science on it, and like it's a very human thing. Of initially, we do we do not trust people, um, and that's probably for our own protection, and that's probably something that's very very deeply ingrained in us, but in terms of, of sort of business or making friends or whatever it is, it's like that first that first meeting with someone, you're kind of feeling them out, but there's, the, and there's a glimmer of a relationship there, but it's not, it doesn't become, like if you think of good friends that you've got that you can like laugh with and, and it's like, because you've been together for a certain amount of time and it's very, very rare that you meet someone that you'll be like instantly great friends with. And that's because you need to sort of build up trust, build up a relationship. And I mean, I, I mentioned it when we interviewed Daniel of there's a, it's a trick that pickup artists use is if they meet a girl on a night out, they will take that girl on mini dates to like lots of different locations. Like, oh, let's go to this kebab shop and then we'll go to this club. We'll leave this club and go to another club because they're basically speeding up that process of that girl has memories of that uh I was going to say a rude word then that guy in um in different places so that they gain more trust it's like it's really sneaky mm. but if you can do it in a genuine way which is what Daniel advocates which is like because he because he's saying like <laughs> if you're making podcasts that is just selling you all the time and going oh I'm really great then no one's going to listen to that so it's like you have to be uh, I I think that's what I love about the the sort of new world when it comes to like advertising marketing running a business is that 
it's all based on value because no one no one cares no one's going to pay you attention if you're just shouting about how great your product or service is it's like they're only going to pay attention if you offer them value in some way whether that's education or entertainment and like and if you can do both then you're onto a winner so it's like create stuff that people like and then you'll be able to survive off of it it's like it's such a great formula yeah you're only going to get to the end of that seven hours if you're providing that value because if you go on it straight away you're salesy people are going to switch off and they're never going to continue past the first 10 minutes or something so it's like making something that people actually want to stay connected to for seven hours as well i think that's really important yeah and i think the extra the magic dust on top of that is like when you're when you when you do something and you're doing it because you want some kind of result out of it like you're doing a podcast for example just because or writing a book just because you want people to buy it or people to listen to it you're putting the wrong energy into it it does become salesy whereas when you're doing it and you're doing it for yourself because it's something that you enjoy it comes across more authentically and it it, it ties into something that i'm really big on at the minute which is like the difference between being and doing and it's like we do a lot of stuff in life right there's like the doing is like going to school going to work you know getting married finding a perfect partner doing the laundry doing the you know all of these tick box exercises which are fine like we'll get them done in our lives but if we're not focusing on how we're being while we're doing those those things are going to seem a lot more stressful we're going to be a lot more worried anxious sad angry fearful etc but when you shift the focus onto the being and it's actually when you're really high up in your being you're more full of joy more full of happiness abundance clarity purpose all of these like amazing words that we hear thrown around all the time it's like the doing transforms and happens by itself but your being while you're doing it is completely different and you're you're coming from a, such a better place and it's like that translates through when you're coming from that place of higher being rather than just focusing on the doing it translates and people relate to that so how do you transfer from the doing to the being there is a big difference between being and doing right and an example that my coach uses is like there's a difference between doing patience and being patient. Doing patience, as he would say, is like pacing up and down, tapping your foot, waiting for the timer to finish, you know, checking your phone every five minutes. That's doing patience. Being patient is just being at ease of that thing that you're waiting for happening when it's going to happen. There's a clear difference in that, right? So the focus on shifting to the being is actually just focus on being the best you can be in that moment because the doing of life is going to happen yeah the work the school the studying the everything the doing will happen and if you're really coming from that place of higher being stuff that you might not necessarily get done like the writing or your creative project or that podcast you want to start or that youtube channel or that business that you want to start like it's going to be a lot harder to start when your being is a lot lower because you're going to be more stressed more anxious more fearful you're going to be more full of worry. You're going to be full of doubt. But when your being is better and you're coming from that higher place, that doing just happens. It's like, you know, I can be in a really crap mood throughout the whole day. Really crap mood, feeling really unmotivated. The second I switch on the microphone and start to record an interview with someone or start to have a coaching conversation with someone, my being is totally different. It's totally different because I'm, I, I straight away go into that mode of like, right, I'm being the best I can be right now. I'm going to be very clear. I'm going to be very present. I'm going to be very in the moment. I'm going to be very um, full of kindness, compassion. And that comes through. Whereas if I went into that conversation, like just in a bad mood, 
what's going to happen? The, the doing's still going to get done, but it's just not going to be as good for me or for the other person or the listener or the, the interview. Yeah, I mean, the fact that all three of us here podcast, we all know that there has to be something deeper for us to put the amount of energy into creating this like regular content. I think that's probably why the average podcast only lasts seven episodes is because most people don't start it for that with that kind of deeper purpose of I'm trying to change something. I'm trying to help people do X, Y or Z. And it's more let me tell people about me and that doesn't sustain and and it's it's in the doing of that like i don't want to call it a higher purpose because that sounds too grandiose but do, but do you know what i mean it's like there being that that why for the, for the reason is like that's what allows us to put the in the sheer amount of research of editing of of the actual conversations just being present in the conversation turning your phone off and just getting deep into these these like you know what it's like when you're with a guest and you're just vibing and you're just and you look down at the thing and you're like oh shit we've <laughs> only got 15 minutes left it's like those those conversations are absolutely magical and and to be doing those regularly the amount of work that goes into it there has to be something more than just look at how bloody charming and <laughs> amazing we are yeah i mean it helps but it's it's, it's definitely <laughs> like that's definitely true it's like i just interviewed dr rongan chatterjee who's like the the top podcaster in the health and wellness industry in europe and it's like yeah. he he's a doctor right but his his shift in being and we kind of discussed this on on the chat was that his shift of being went from doing practicing being a doctor so like having someone come into his clinic and be like okay well let's put you on these meds and it will sort the problem out to being a person who wants to help the person in front of them so instead of going we'll take these meds he goes well actually let's let's take a look at your lifestyle like what's causing the stress could you maybe shift something around in your morning routine or could you create some more time to do this or could you look at some of the food you're you know he was being more present with that person which got better result of the patients and it's like th that's just a really simple shift and it's like when you do focus too much on like just trying to do the thing you know again it comes down to you know the the, uh, the art of war it's like that whole book is about resistance. But it's like if you're always fighting the resistance, maybe you don't need to look at what it is that you're trying to do. Maybe you need to look at the way that you're being while you're trying to do it. Yeah, I think that really reminds me of something. I've written down a quote from your book of happiness isn't a destination you arrive at. And I feel like what we're kind of talking about here is it's almost like with the doctor example is it's like he's just getting to a destination. Mm. And then what then? Then you're trying to get to the next destination. And there's the next destination. And there's never any happiness there. It's always just the do, the do, the do. And actually, if you stop and enjoy the process, which is obviously sounds like what he's kind of changed his mindset to, it's like then you're actually you're enjoying the being. Like you're like that when you're in that space, you probably don't don't even want the patient to leave the room <laughs> because you feel like you're still you're enjoying the moment. You're enjoying helping them in more ways than just like oh here's a tick box go. Mm. And I think that falls into kind of anything you do creatively or anything that is in your life. It's like, I suppose this can, I feel like I've now really understanding what you mean by the being is it's, it's just enjoying what, enjoying life rather than just kind of chasing after mm. all of these little tick boxes and kind of like living tick box to tick box to tick box. It's like, it's filling everything in between those. It's appreciating everything in between those. Yeah. And it's, do you know what's really hit, hit the nail on the head for me recently? And I know I've seen David talk about this a couple of times already is, is the movie Soul, the, the Pixar movie. It's like, 
spoiler alert anyone for anyone who hasn't listened i've watched that now good good okay well spoiler alert for everyone <laughs> apart from adam then um who's now watched it. it it first of all go and watch it i don't care what you just go and watch it but secondly like if you actually look at the deeper message of that film it's all about your purpose and finding your purpose but you get that beautiful moment in the film where the main character whose name i can't remember now gets to look back at his his life when he's in that little chamber and he sees his purpose is playing piano that's when he's being the best he can be but then he looks at the rest of his life and it's really sad and dull and boring and what he ends up learning in the in the film is like actually when your being is filling in the gaps like you said ad everything becomes purposeful you don't have to have this one purpose like your whole life can be purposeful and that is like such a beautifully pure message that I, it brought a tear to my eye because I was like, I'm so happy that there's a film that exists that puts this message across, not just to kids, but to adults. And it's like, that's that's mm. what we're all missing. We're missing filling in the gaps because yeah. we're too busy trying to tick the boxes. The next time I see one of those little leaves yeah. falling down to the ground, like those little helicopter seeds, S- like that's going to be a really... That's going to be a like really magical moment for me because it's like that's the that's the the icon of reminder that that you're you're living a life and you ain't got long and you don't even know how long you've got and if you it's it's um there's that quote in um fucking um I think it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off where it goes life moves pretty fast and if you don't stop um and take a look around once in a while and it's like that's what we've got to do we've got to stop and take a look around and just see like like experience experience what we're doing rather than just letting it happen to us i suppose 2020 was the year where many of us were able to have a little bit of a reset and a little bit of our own time to sort of reflect on the things that are are, were more important to us and maybe drop some of those things that do not spark joy Mm. and and again man i don't think there's anything wrong with feeling like you haven't got you know this one amazing thing that is your soul reason for being on this earth like i don't think that's what it's about it's like you know you guys will know i'm someone who like one minute to the next as much as like obviously the podcast and coaching is a long-term thing for me it's like i'll be skateboarding one minute or then i'll be talking about wanting to be like a gaming youtuber and then i want to be talking about being a, a writer or you know there's always these things that i i feel i can put my energy and passion into but they don't necessarily have to be this soul passion or purpose of mine like i can i can spread that across many things you're listening to creative rebels the podcast for creatives if you're enjoying this episode please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast in any way that you can yeah i think with that as well it's like your passion doesn't have to be an a certain activity that like people would kind of say i'm a professional at this I feel like your passion can be learning, which it sounds like for you, that is one thing you love to do. It's like you love to progress. Mm. And that's what your passion is. Your passion is for learning rather than for all of the individual things that you do along the way. And I think that again comes back to the the being. It's like your your passion is being. And it's like you'll enjoy doing the things because they're fun mm. rather than like thinking that I'm going to do this because I want this end goal. And I think that's, what the difference is there it's like you're not skateboarding to be tony hawk to be able to smash some like world record you're just doing it because you enjoy it and i think that is the important thing whatever anyone does 
don't do it because you think you can get famous off it or you think there's some end goal because as soon as you hit that you'll be dissatisfied mm. whereas actually if you just enjoy doing the things just enjoy your life i think that's like to kind of to encapsulate it really easily just enjoy the things that you're doing every single day because yeah you don't know how long you've got i think if you if you become really great at those things they then all of that stuff just comes naturally anyway it's like for me i think my my passion or purpose or whatever is is helping people and that manifested when i was when i became a primary school teacher it manifests in the artwork i do and it manifests in this show i i don't need to say that my purpose is painting or my purpose is podcasting it's like by helping people i can do many things that that feed into that that sort of reason why i'm here and that's that's the thing that sets me on fire the most it's like when i get a like when we get a work email that comes through for for like a big project that's going to be loads of cash or whatever it's like that's really exciting but i don't send a screen grab of that to yona like i did the other day when i got a dm that was a like about the podcast there's a whole different feeling that comes along with that and but then at the same time i don't want to discourage people to like to not follow those like i think monetary goals are really important and i think being being disciplined and and working towards those will and working towards becoming great at something like becoming an expert at something whatever it might be it could be anything but becoming it becoming an expert we we did talk to roger kneebone about it and and i felt through reading his book those people that even though they didn't see themselves as experts felt fulfilled that they that, that they'd led this life and they become really really good at something mm. i think that's important and I, do you know what is is amazing as well it's like i think yeah like that idea of becoming an expert in something but detach from the outcome of you even becoming an expert because i like an example i always look at is like the rock i'm like if this this idea of like having this one purpose is a thing someone cheated when they made the rock because he was like (laughs) the best college footballer at his school he was like you know a really good football player who who could have gone on to be a professional but then he changed paths and he became the best, if not the greatest, most well-known wrestler of all time. And now he's the most highest paid actor of all time. So someone must have overdosed his his purpose level or whatever. But so you look at that and I think... Not the greatest the wrestler of all time, but, but certainly... A no, but one. do you know what I mean? Like one of the most recognizable, <laughs> like technically maybe not, but he's like, but he's like, it's three careers in one. And it's like, if that, that idea of like just having this one purpose and how, how has he managed to do that? It's because of the way he is when he's doing those things you know he was able to give his full attention his full being to football to wrestling to acting and that's why he gets the success yeah and he was obsessed and ruthless and and like and hard working and i think it's the work ethic i saw just came up on my explore page the other day uh, a clip of him and bill gates uh, presenting xbox one the the xbox like that original big x yeah. machine with the circle in the middle um he was up there presenting about that and and like he was good and he was the rock and he was funny and but he was just a little bit stiff a little bit cardboard and it was like he wasn't he wasn't the rock yet mm-hmm. and it was really interesting sort of seeing because we 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 look at people like jordan and we go natural talent and obviously their their bodies are their bodies and we we can't do anything about that but we all know that like jordan didn't make his college basketball team mm. So he wasn't 
he wasn't the best player in the world from day one. He like just grinded and grinded and grinded, and and his work work ethic was was unbelievable. And when you look at all of the all of the greats, all of the people that have achieved to the highest level, their work ethic. Like I was um, hearing something about Kobe Bryant the other day of of that he would he would do like six hours in the gym before anyone turned up to practice, and then he would do practice. Mm. And if he was ever in there with someone from another team, he would stay longer than them on purpose and then they'd start trying to stay longer because he was but he would always stay longer and then people would ask him and be like why why did you stay like that long and he'd go because I needed you to know that I'm always going to outwork you <laughs> I was just like oh like that's so, so fucking good. beautiful I'm always going to outwork you um, and I, that's kind of I don't know I, I love that 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 really excites me that that I get so much from from hard work and and because when you start to put it in over a long enough timeline, then you really, really see results. But do you, I, do you know what? On that though, I think, yes, I agree with a lot of that, but I also kind of disagree because I'm like, well, why do you want to like run yourself into the ground if it's not something that you're really enjoying doing? Like, I think we get caught up in the wrong side of it sometimes of like, well, I have to make this work because it's the only thing for me. And it's like, you know, with, with a Kobe or a Jordan, it's like, yeah, cool. And and The Rock, as the examples we've used, yeah, it's worked because they're still really passionate and enjoying it. But if you're on the journey of like just grinding something out for the sake of it, then maybe you need to make the switch as, you know, again, use The Rock as the example. He used the, he's used the switch from wrestling to acting, etc. It's like, I think there's also beauty in realizing that the hard work doesn't mean that it's going to make you happy. It's the happiness that makes you put in the hard work. Yeah, I think you hear a lot, and especially from athletes, you hear a lot of, of I, I had exhausted, there was, there was no further place to climb within that discipline, so I moved to something else. And I feel like that's, that's, that's probably the way to do it. If there's something that you do love, that you want to become the best at, once you've done everything that you can possibly do within that thing, then you're going to look for something else. I think that's, that's only natural. To be successful... Like there has to be a level of, you can't just do everything to make yourself happy because there has to be something in there. If it, if it's just happy all the time, it's just easy all the time. There needs to be some form of grit and drive to be able to push you like further. Otherwise you just, you'd never finish anything. You just kind of start, oh, that's fun, that's fun, that's fun, that's fun. But you never become truly great and truly known for something. Mm. And yeah, I suppose it's like, where, where how do you balance that? Mm. but I don't know if there's anything wrong with that like at the same time if you're doing stuff and it's like that's fun that's fun that's fun if you're having fun <laughs> that's the most important thing right it's like we again you don't know how long your life's going to be like why why would you put time into something that you're not having fun doing at on a whole you know okay moment to moment don't get me wrong like not everything we do is going to be extremely fun but as a whole it's fun which is why we pursue the things that we pursue but then I think like who cares if someone wants to be someone who jumps around from city to city who goes from job to job if they're having fun doing it like i ain't gonna stop them who's to, who's who am i to tell them that they're not their life isn't good because they're having fun all the time and they're not doing what i think they should be doing or what he thinks they should be doing it's like we're, we're here to enjoy life you know that's that's one of the main things that i hope comes across in the book is like you know we're here to to, to live happy and enjoy life like that's the that is the purpose of living and it's like do that however you want to do it and it's like if that means that you want to paint every day for seven hours then do it if it means that you want to 
you know go on really long walks every day for four hours do it like this is all about at the end of the day happiness and fun and enjoyment in life because that's what we live for really i think for me it's it's um and it's definitely a theme of your book is is like getting in touch with yourself and learning about yourself mm. and discovering what it is that you want and so that would that just comes down to then plotting what success means to you and if success means to you spending time with your family if success means to you going for that four-hour walk every day then it's like working out what you need to do to make those things happen um i think for a lot of people especially if that, that listen to this show like launching their business or becoming a full-time graphic designer or or a poet or a dancer or whatever it might be is like that's something that's that they have identified as something that they want to find success mm. at um but equally i'm sure there's people listening who are like yeah i do want to have success in that but i also want to have a balanced family life and and so in order to do that you have to nourish that you have to nourish the family life so it's like that's going to take time away from your so it's really really is working out like where the balance fits of how much time like because all we have is time all we have is time and we have to work out what pockets we put that time into to then squeeze out of life what we're going to get out of it i mean that's really as i think of it in real time now that's really is the formula isn't it your life is a section of time and the results are going to come from where you put the time in. And for me, it's like I like putting my time into this podcast means that I impact people's lives in that way. So that that takes a certain amount of my time. Putting my time into painting means I impact people's lives in this way. That takes a certain amount of my time. Um, if all of a sudden I, I feel like I'm neglecting my relationship with my girlfriend or my sister or my parents, then then maybe I have to take some of some back from those pockets of time. But then if I take from those pockets of time and then I stop earning any money, then I've taken too much. So I've got to balance it and be like, okay, sometimes I'm not going to be able to spend time with my best friend over here because I need to put time into, I've got to do a commission over here that's going to keep the roof over my head. So it's all about working out where you put your pockets of time. Yeah, definitely. I think that that balance of actual security in life in terms of, actually being able to pay your rent feed yourself that always needs to be covered within whatever time you do and i think that's why when we talk about that kind of venn diagram between kind of something that makes you happy and something that's kind of commercially viable if you can find the connection between those two that's when something really magical happens because you could just do something that makes you happy every single day that doesn't make any money and then suddenly you can't eat and you're homeless and then life is so hard to get back to a, like a level that all the happiness it's going to be really hard to get out of that whereas it's yeah finding that balance of something that's commercial that you can like so much of what we talk about on the show is being able to do what you love for a living it's turning that kind of just passion into a career and I think to do that there definitely needs to be some form of hard work put into that to put yourself at the level where you're good enough to for someone to pay you for it because if not you could be just not quite good enough to earn anything from anything you ever do but there's going to have to be the hard work to make it so you can stand out slightly above someone else to mean that your time actually has value so yeah, it, it actually reminds me of the the japanese i don't know what you would call it like teaching or called ikigai which is like yeah. four areas of your life which is basically what the world needs um what you love doing something you're good at and something you can get paid for which kind of 
again is like looking at those pockets of time and going okay what what fits in all of those but like where do they all cross over at the same time and it's like when you look at life like that it changes your your perspective and your outlook of like actually what what do i do with my time how do i spend my time yeah and it's i i think we'd all be living much better lives if if we didn't have to think about capitalism and uh ad and i just did our, our 2020 review episode and one of the people we spoke to was rebecca seal and in going back through her episode she was talking about hunter gatherers working 15 hours a week and then the rest of the time was just for for creativity for singing for community for being together um for eating like just all the fun things in life and it seems like we've gone so far from although we all live in nice houses and we can get deliveries ordered to our door it's like we've got all of this technology and we've got everything but maybe if you looked if you measured happiness levels of a hunter-gatherer it might be higher it probably would be higher um because yeah we were working for 15 hours a week and we rest of the rest of the time we were just doing what we're i think designed to do which is be creative and be present that's that's what it is isn't it it's about being present it's like you know with the society we live in it's like we we have to earn money in order to survive but hunter gatherers they they you show the money they'd be like doesn't mean anything to them because they didn't need it they they went out and they hunted and they gathered the food they ate it and then they spent the rest of the time doing what needed to be done and then the rest of the time enjoying the time they have with the people around them and being creative like you said so so much of that will come down to like just the pressures of what society are because if we were if we worked 15 hours a week we could get a part-time job doing that which would probably be just enough to pay for a small room, a bed, the basic food that we would eat, which would probably be the same standard of life that those hunter-gatherers had. But what our expectations are are so much higher because everything around us in the media and the whole basically what capitalism does is makes us think that we need all of these other things to survive and be happy, whereas actually we probably don't. If you actually did, did just work for 15 hours and just had fun for the rest of the week, it'd be really interesting to see like people's happiness levels in that situation mm, i'm sure there's there's definitely got to be some sort of study on that somewhere i know i know like when they study the tribes be, yeah. it's a lot of it is is based in that it's like you know they they spend the amount the exact amount of time that they need to in order to survive and then the rest of the time you know however many hours it will be a week or a day is spent having fun being creative chatting with their friends or dancing or cooking you know whatever it's like you know that i think you know to go back to a lot of the stuff that's really helped me shift and learn a lot is that we've become so disconnected from our natural way of being that we've lost touch with actually what living is about which goes back to the point of like if you're doing something that makes you happy and you find fun that to me is all good that's success you know and it's like the the money side of things it's like for me i i try not to put too much pressure on myself for that because i'm like at the end of the day i can still live if i earned minimum i could still find somewhere to live and i could still have some sort of security in terms of like safety that's cool like i'm happy to live like that if that means i don't get to live a high flying life in london or another big city and it means you have to move somewhere off grid like cool i'm happy with that it means i get to spend more time outdoors more time in nature like i'm down for that totally and it's like I think when you when you can come to the realization of like actually we don't have to be powered by this idea of capitalism like I don't think we're going to make it shift on a on a large scale anytime soon but it's like when we realize that we don't have to play into that 
you can then start to experience your life through a different lens. Mm. Yeah, it's like the that's kind of the premise of the four hour work week, I suppose. In the end, it's like if you like if you moved to Thailand, for example, your lifestyle would be so cheap there compared to what it would be living in London. And technically, based on what we've spent the last year doing and like doing things remotely, you could still do everything that you do now from there and have and not have to like and your and your outgoings would be so much lower than what they currently are. So it's like actually you would only need to work a few hours a week to be able to do that. So I think, yeah, that's a, another thing that capitalism plays into is the fact that where we're living and what that's providing. And I think the world now it is so much more open. We can be more flexible about where we go, what we do. And like, we do have a relatively short life in that sense. And I think it is worth thinking about, well, how do you want to spend that? Do you want to spend it in a big city, in this rat race, trying to achieve something that maybe you don't actually want well, maybe you do want to go to somewhere like Thailand where mm. rent and everything is much cheaper and just work remotely from there. And yeah, it sounds like it almost sounds too good to be true. But I think actually, if you want that to happen, you can make that happen. Mm. And, and uh, do you know what? I, I think I think we're all testament to that as well. We're all testament to that because you, if we wanted to be in the rat race, you guys wouldn't have set up a company that makes means you paint walls for a living. You know, I wouldn't have left full-time work to podcast and coach people and travel at the same time like you know the rat that rat race isn't isn't the only option like there are if you're willing to make some changes and you're willing to maybe sacrifice some of these luxuries that we have in life then you can you can totally live a completely different style of life like this this narrative of having to go to this school and get this degree to then get this work to then it's it doesn't it doesn't serve us it serves the people who are making a lot of money from it it doesn't it doesn't serve us as people necessarily some people it does don't get me wrong yeah. but not everyone you know and i think the people who listen to this podcast will probably be in in the category of not everyone like us and it's like understanding that really creates a shift of like well actually cool maybe it means i have to downgrade the two bedroom apartment i live into a one bedroom apartment but but it means that i get to work on this creative project for more time rather than trying to squeeze it in an hour or an evening after I've got home from work and I'm shattered, then I have to cook. And, you know, it's, it's, it's as David always says, it's design your own life. One of, one of the things I'm so grateful for is that, that Adam, me and Yona went through that period of surviving on 300 pound a month and, and knowing that we were fine and we were actually really happy and we were building something and, and we had a reason to, to work hard and to, to put all the effort in and to get out of bed and, we didn't need you like you don't need all the stuff the stuff that they tell you that you need you just you just don't need it and as soon as you like the best way to make money is to spend less than you earn it's really really simple and as soon as you get that into your head and realize okay i earn this much a month let me look at what i'm spending on and realize that you don't need the stuff that the media is constantly telling you you're not beautiful enough you're not cool enough you're not smart enough you need to buy all this shit to make you this complete person as soon as you realize that that is all completely bullshit that really like purpose the like helping people whatever it is that you want to do that you want to create that's going to make this world like fun or bright or creative or interesting if you can create that then like it will sustain you and then that's that's like i mean we're really really breaking down the meaning of life on this podcast which is <laughs> hilarious because we are our butt 
ants on a tiny like little rock in a massive solar system but but like I, I really do believe that i really think that yeah once you find that and you you used you both said the word rat race um you talk in the book alex about um the the you've got that friend who like i think you say shook his life up yeah um maybe maybe you could tell that story because i just think there's there are like those people in the rat race if they could have this same experience of getting shaken out of it and just realizing that there's something more for them yeah yeah so i've got this friend um who i don't actually give his name in the book but his name's mick he was a really big journalist in italy um he basically set up this website which is all about there's a really big lack of jobs in italy especially back then like however many years ago it was five six seven eight years ago whatever it was and he basically set up this website to kind of be a bit of a you know bit of a protest against the system and he built up this massive following online became like a really famous journalist had like his basically became a company within itself and he got to this point where he just realized he was miserable because like yeah he likes to help people and yes he's done a lot of good in, in what he built but he wasn't happy doing it anymore and he made this decision to sell the company and focus on a career around music and trying to start a project of his own, which he was more passionate about. And actually that project has now transpired into him becoming like, <laughs> like in inverted commas, the bass teacher of TikTok. And it's like his big passion is music and bass. So he's now going on this whole journey of starting this project of documenting his journey building this community around playing bass and music he's going to start a podcast a youtube channel and he's really like like i've never seen someone and 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 he works part-time in prep while he's doing this and he's from italy he lives in london now Brilliant. and he is loving his life to the maximum yes he gets stressed out yes we have like really heart-to-heart -heart conversations every now and then but he is so much more happy then when I first met him, when he first moved to London, like three years ago, and he was just trying to figure out his way, like he took the leap and he's seeing the rewards, maybe not financially, maybe not in this capitalistic idea of success, but he's seeing the re rewards from within himself in terms of how happy he is and how fulfilled he is every day. It's amazing. Um, speaking of TikTok there, you've, um, I'm really proud of what you've done on TikTok. You've got yourself up to like you're over 10,000 followers now and I would imagine when you first started posting videos, it was like kind of bleak and you thought this is never going to work, right? Dude, I when I started TikTok, I didn't tell a soul, not one friend, not one person. I didn't post about it on Instagram. I, I literally started it from zero without telling any, anyone because I wanted it to, a, to test, you know, everyone raves about TikTok and how quickly you can grow. So I wanted to see it for myself. But also I was just like, I was just creating different things and having more fun and like, putting out a different side to me and it's like yeah it's like you, you you create a community around it and it's like it's it's amazing man like I've taken two weeks off since the start of the year and like I haven't I think I've maybe checked it once I haven't posted anything and when I have gone on there's still likes there's still comments there's still new follows it's like it's just an amazing platform and I think for me like TikTok is like this place of positivity but it's also a really easy place to get sucked into the comparison trap um but it's just an amazing place of positivity because you can fill your your feed and the algorithm will fill your um for you page with the stuff that you're liking that you're seeing that you're commenting on and that similar people to you are also liking seeing and commenting on so whatever you're following you're getting served up like 10 times as much as you ever even asked for and it's like that just whole thing 
man, it's amazing. They, they, mate, there's an account that I've seen where it's an account where all they do is they talk about bonsai trees, like plants, whatever you call them. And it's like, <laughs> that's the account. And they've got so many followers. There's like one guy, I don't know if you've come across him, David, but there's the fizzy drinks guy. Have you seen him? Like, I haven't seen him knocking around there recently, but at the start of the oh, very yeah, first yeah, lockdown, yeah. he's like this old Indian dude. Yeah. He's probably like, what, 50? He was quite a little bit overweight. And his whole thing was like documenting his journey of stopping himself from drinking fizzy drinks because he used to drink like three, four cans of Coke a day. So his literally every video is him like, hello, everyone. No fizzy drinks for me today. It's day 27 or whatever. And it's like, he's just got like so many followers yeah. off of the back of that because people are like, yeah, man, you can do this. You inspire me every day. Like if you can do this, I can do this. <laughs> it's like, it's amazing, man. Um, any any tips for growth? Like, what have you learned? Because I, th I think making videos is a real process. And as you go along, you start to refine and you start to realize what works and what doesn't. And you're really brave because you're doing like face on, like talking into your phone, uh, those kind of videos where you're sort of presenting forward. So what would be your, your top tips to top tips for a good TikTok? <laughs> Mate, that's a very good question. Um, I have to think now because I haven't made one for like maybe three, four weeks. But I'd, I'd say like be be concise like 15 seconds is more than enough obviously you can record up to 60 seconds but like you've got to think as of any platform people are flicking through that for you page or explore page like so quickly like you need to have a good headline that's going to grab their attention so like for example five life-changing books to read in 2021 straight away i'd be like oh what are these five books going to be like make people want mm. to watch until the end of the video um, which is what's great with what you do, David. It's like you're showing someone like this is the start of the painting and you're going to have to wait the whole 15 seconds to see the end of the painting. So it keeps people's attention. Um, and then the other thing, man, like don't don't be scared to just share what you what you learn or what you found funny. Like TikTok is honestly like some of the stuff that pops off on there is crazy. Like, do you remember the guy? Um, what was his name? Something dog where he was just like skating and drinking the the, the cranberry juice, which did like hundreds of millions of views and it's like oh yeah yeah that, that's all he did it was one video and he got like hundreds of millions of views for it it's like he didn't do anything special it's like and that's the beauty of it it's like you can you can make stuff and just be really really succinct with it but if you want to make good ones like be really succinct with it create a good title uh, make it enticing so that people want to stay to the end of the video and just just be you like there's no i don't think there's any judgment on tiktok man i think you know you look at charlie d'amelio who's like yeah. the biggest followed person she just dances man and she's all right she she ticked a lot of like i've I've tried to break this down from a past experience of like working in social media perspective she ticked a lot of boxes of like she's young so she appealed to the audience she's good looking for her age so she appealed to both females and males she looks a bit older than what she actually is so people were guessing whether she was 19 or 15 and she's a good dancer. So she had four things going for her that were like making people intrigued be it by the way she looks, by the way she dances, by, oh no, I reckon she's actually 16. She's not 18 or, you know, there was some interest in what she was doing, but she was just doing her. It's not her fault that she fell into those categories. She was just dancing on TikTok. And it's like, if you've ever seen one of the, the interviews of her talking about the one of the first TikToks she made, she was like, I was just, I was literally just about to leave the house and I just hit record and did a dance. And then I came back and I had like loads of views. It's like, she was just doing her. Like she's, she's obviously grown up dancing. So she was just dancing on it. She didn't think it was going to become this thing where she's got, I think over a hundred million followers now. It's like, you can, you can create anything. And the same with you, David, it's like you, you're painting on a wall with neon pink paint and like people love it. It's like, you're just doing you. You're not doing anything different to what you would do anyway. You've just recorded it and and 
you know, compressed it into a 15 second video and people love it. It's like you don't have to change anything that you're already doing or sharing something that you're more than what you're already doing. Again, it goes back to my earlier point of like, I might record a podcast where I want to talk about purpose. And then the second I finish recording that podcast, I'll quickly do a 15 second TikTok, which is me talking about the same thing, but in 15 seconds. And then I might go and write a blog post about it later mm. in the week. And then I might come to this conversation and bring purpose to the conversation. Like it's the same thing, just in different ways. So it's like, just feel like you can do the same thing you're already doing in some capacity. Or if you're new to content, don't be scared to have fun. That'd be my advice. And I think the key there is do what you're already doing because that's when you're gonna win because you're being yourself. I think the reason that people don't win and people that aren't successful is because people go on there, they look at who's got the most followers, someone who's dancing, so they just try and dance. And it's like, that's not you. If that's not you, don't do that. You just need to do yourself because as soon as you're authentic, people are gonna see that. If you're just going on there to try and get the likes and the followers by doing silly dances, it isn't related to what you do the rest of the time that's you might get some followers you might get some traction but it's not going to be an audience that you actually want it's like you're just it's just mm. metrics it doesn't actually mean anything yeah and do you know what's amazing actually like on that note is like the amount of times i've sat and i've like literally written up ideas for videos i've come up with like this plan i've recorded 10 20 videos in like an hour window to to bank for the rest of the week the ones that always do the best are the ones that I put zero thought into. Like there's literally one from when I was on holiday, I was scrolling on Instagram. I saw a quote that blew my mind. I opened TikTok and I said, oh my God, I've just seen this quote on Instagram and it blew my mind. This is what it was. And I got like 140,000 views on it or something. And it's like, there was no thought that went into that. I just did it. And it's like, I didn't, mm. again, didn't try to do anything or do anything different. Like it's still within my beliefs because it was i'm sharing a quote that's inspired me and it just it related to some people and that's that's all it is it's like what what's going to relate to someone and it's like if there's an element of you sharing something that you've learned that's always going to relate to someone because you're not going to be the only person who learns from that thing or that experience if something's captured you enough to make you think wow that's amazing 100 percent, that's going to make someone else feel that too so every time you learn something you're like oh that's a good thing oh that's interesting just share that because all you're doing is documenting your own thoughts and your own reactions to stuff. And yeah, and it's like, you know that someone else is gonna like that because you've liked it mm. and you're not a complete individual in the world. Lots of people like things similar to you. And I suppose the bigger you grow an audience, that's gonna be more people like you. So the more things that you find interesting, the people who are following you are probably gonna find that interesting too. And it will just become this cycle of growth yeah it's it's like I've, i keep having this conversation with my friends recently on whatsapp about like we've been playing call of duty a lot pretty much every evening since the beginning of lockdown in may and it's like i keep saying to them like we should start a youtube channel where we just pitch ourselves as being really average call of duty players because there's so many people who i see <laughs> yeah. on youtube that are like these serious pros who like for anyone who doesn't understand anything that i'm talking about like it's a computer game which is like an open battlefield and you you have to be the last team or the last person to survive to win and it's really hard because everyone's really good and it's like when you watch these pros on youtube they're like racking up like 30 kills per game and they're like trying to teach you like their tips and tricks i get like two three kills four if i've had a good game like i'm ne i'm so far off of their level i get really tired of like hearing their advice because i'm like yeah but i'm not as good as you are i can't react this quick so i was like boys we should make a channel 
where we just be really open about how crap we are, but we share the things that we've learned that have helped us maybe play a tiny bit better because that's going to relate to someone because I'd love to see that. I'd love to see some average guy go, do you know what? I'm not very good at this game, um, but you know, I got a really, I played a really good game yesterday. I got five, six, seven, maybe 10 kills. Here's some of the things that I learned and what I did. I'd be like, this is so much more relatable to me because I'm closer to your level than I am to the top player and the top pros. When you think about why people don't start, it's because they feel like they're not the best. And like, it, just document exactly what you're doing at whatever level you're at because people will be interested. And yeah, as you said there, like you would happily watch that. Like um, James May, I don't know if anyone's seen it on Amazon Prime, has just released a cooking show. Mm. And he starts off that cooking show by saying, I'm James May and I can't cook. And then he just like is in his kitchen. Um, I think I saw like five or 10 minutes of it and he'd like burnt some fish fingers or something. <laughs> like he'd just, he'd ruined something. But you're not watching it because you're watched like, I could go and watch a professional chef if that's what I wanted to see. But actually just watching real people do real things is really interesting. I think if you just look at the rise of uh, reality TV, I saw a, a stat the other day that was a breakdown of all of the biggest shows that Netflix has had over the past year. Uh, and it was broke down into category of like what, like if kind of reality TV documentary. And of course, reality TV was right at the top. And that's just normal people doing normal things. Nothing there is special. And people are fascinated by it. Yeah. Because I think like when we go f to the pub with our friends, we're not going to the pub with the most intellectual, amazing <laughs> people in the world of those things. We're going to the pub with real people. And I think that's what we like. We like to be able to just interact with people who are like us. Our lives are boring to ourselves, but interesting to other people. Yeah, like if you look at Gogglebox, it's like one of the most successful TV shows in the last few years. And it's literally yeah. normal people sitting down and watching the TV programs that you have also watched. That is all they're doing. And look how successful that is because it's relatable because you can relate to the way they reacted. You can relate to the way that they felt. You can relate to the little in-jokes they have with each other, like the relationships within the families or the households. Like, it's simple. It's really simple stuff. Right, to sum up, I'm going to leave you with a little review of your book and tell you a little story. So Alex, because he's a lovely little bean, sent me a copy of his book when it first came out, a physical copy. And had he sent it to me a year ago, I wouldn't have said this, but because it's the new me, I said... Alex, I have to be honest with you. I'm not going to read this book. And <laughs> Alex said, Alex said, why not? I spent ages on that. And you thought you were supposed to be my mate. The least you could do is read it. And I said, because I don't read physical books. I only read audio books because I can paint and listen to an audio book. And it saves me time um, because I like we're getting pitched quite a lot by Penguin. They want us to to listen to like to read a lot of their author's books. I just don't have time for physical books. So I've said, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, so anyway, your book was kicking around my house. My sister came home for Christmas and she picked up the book and she opened it up and she saw that you'd written something inside, which I hadn't read because I hadn't opened it because I don't read <laughs> What? I put all that time and, and said, energy into that message. She, I know, I know, mate. <laughs> and she said, well, you haven't even read this and he's written a lovely thing to you in here and you haven't even read it. I said, well, he knows because I've told him that I don't read physical books. So anyway, she disappeared. And then a couple of days later, 
she just started quoting your book at me <laughs> and she'd actually started reading it which is amazing like for her to just take the initiative on her own to start reading it um and she started telling me about the um it was a bit about um you controlling your own digestive system and what a mess you'd be in if if you had control over your digestive system and how uh, you do have control over your thoughts so you should uh, you should you should get control of them and uh i was like bloody hell does yeah that does sound interesting does sound like a good book and then so you pulled your finger out and you made an audio version so i have now listened to the book so i can confirm that my sister was right it is a good book so uh so well done i thought you'd enjoy that little story of uh my sister reading your book off her own back and enjoying it mate i've, I've learned two two things from that story so thank you for sharing it the first one is that the next time i send you a book <laughs> i'm going to put a post-it note on the front that says there's a message inside for you and the second thing is that I'm going to send your sister a copy and write her a message because she will open it and she will read it. <laughs> so let people know where they can find the book and where they can find you online. Yeah. So yeah, the book can be found on Audible if you want to listen to the audiobook like David. Just look for the search for clarity. You can get the ebook via Amazon or you can get physical copies via my website, thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity. And because I love you guys and I love your listeners, what I've done is I've set up a promo code for anyone who does want to go and get the book. So if you go to the website, thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity, and you use the code coupon code podcast20, you will get 20% off. And I'll also handwrite you a message and everything comes out of my own house. So I send the book from my house in a little envelope to you all by myself. So um, all of the love and all of the help is appreciated, of course. And appreciate you guys for, for having me on. Um, and I think I would also like to send a little message out to the people who are listening. If there's something that you've really enjoyed from this episode to hit all three of us up, um, you can hit the Rebels up on their individual pages or the Creative Rebels Instagram page and hit me up on Instagram at I am Alex Manzi and let us know one little learning that you made from this episode because I know I always like to hear those things from people and I'm sure the guys do as well. What a professional. Thank you so Thank you, much. Mate keep being you thanks guys you too always always appreciate the time and the love 